Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 17 and 18. Now in the previous episode, we read chapters 15 and 16. And in chapter 16, Selina Beauregard tried to make an attempt to lead the Ares campers in the pursuit of bringing them down to fight with Percy. But sadly, she made a sacrifice and she died. But hopefully, Percy and Clarice and the Ares cabin, along with Clarice, will honor what the sacrifice that Selena had done, and hopefully, they will fight alongside each other against the monsters. So now we will read chapter 17. I sit on the hot seat. What were you thinking? Clarice cradled Selena's head in her lap. Selena tried to swallow, but her lips were dry and cracked. What? Listen, Cabin would only follow you. So you stole my armor, Clarice said in disbelief. You waited until Chris and I went out on patrol. You stole my armor and pretended to be me. She glared at her siblings. And none of you noticed? The Ares campers developed a sudden interest in their combat boots. Don't blame them, Selena said. They wanted to, to believe I was you. You stupid Aphrodite girl, Clarice sobbed. You charged a dracon. Why? All my fault, Selena said, a tear streaking down the side of her face. The dracon, Charlie's death, camp endangered. Stop it, Clarice said. That's not true. Selena opened her scythe, her hand. In her palm was a silver bracelet with a scythe charm. The mark of Kronos. A cold fist closed around my heart. You were the spy. Selena tried to nod. Before, before I liked Luke, before I liked Charlie, Luke was nice to me. He was so charming, handsome. Later, I wanted to stop helping him, but he threatened to tell. He promised. He promised I was saving lives. Fewer people would get hurt. He told me he wouldn't hurt. Charlie, he lied to me. I met Annabeth's eyes. Her face was chalky. She looked like somebody had just yanked the world out from her under her feet. Behind us, the battle raged. Clarice scowled at her cabin mates. Go, help the centaurs, protect the good doors, go! They scrambled off to join the fight. Selena took a heavy, painful breath. Forgive me. You're not dying, Clarice insisted. Charlie, Selena's eyes were a million miles away. See, Charlie. She didn't speak again. Clarice held her and wept. Chris put a hand on her shoulder. Finally, Annabeth closed Selena's eyes. We have to fight. Annabeth's voice was brutal. She gave her life to help us. We have to honor her. Clarice sniffled and wiped her nose. She was a hero. Understand? A hero. I nodded. Come on, Clarice. She picked up a sword from one of her fallen siblings. Kronos is going to pay. I'd like to say I drove the enemy away from the Empire State Building. The truth was, Clarice did all the work. Even without her armor or spear, she was a demon. She rode her chariot straight into the Titan's army and crushed everything in her path. She was so inspiring. Even the panicked centaur started to rally. The hunters scourged arrows from the fallen and launched volley after volley into the enemy. 
The Ares cabin slashed and hacked, which was their favorite thing. The monsters retreated toward 35th Street. Clarice drove to the Dracon's carcass and looped a grappling line through its eye sockets. She lashed her horses and took off, dragging the Dracon behind the chariot like a Chinese New Year dragon. She charged after the enemy, yelling insults and daring them to cross her. As she rode, I realized she was literally glowing. An aura of red fire flickered around her. The blessing of Ares, Talia said. I have never seen her in person before. For the moment, Clarice was as invincible as I was. The enemy threw spears and arrows, but nothing hit her. I am Clarice, Dracon Slayer, she yelled. I will kill you all. Where is Kronos? Bring him out! Is he a coward? Clarice! I yelled. Stop it! Withdraw! What's the matter, Time Lord? He, she yelled. Bring it on! There was no answer from the enemy. Slowly, they began to fall back behind a Draconae shield wall. While Clarice drove in circles around 5th Avenue, daring anyone to cross her path, the 200-foot-long Dracon carcass made a hollow scraping noise against the pavement, like a thousand knives. Meanwhile, we tended our wounded and bringing them inside the lobby. Long after the enemy had retreated from sight, Clarice kept riding up and down the avenue with her horrible trophy, demanding that Kronos meet her battle. Chris said, I'll watch her. She'll get tired eventually. I'll make sure she comes inside. What about the camp? I asked. Is anybody left there? Chris shook his head. Only Argus and the nature spirits. Peopilius the dragon's still guarding the tree. They won't last long, I said, but I'm glad you came. Chris nodded sadly. I'm sorry it took so long. I tried to reason with Clarice. I said there's no point in defending camp if you guys die. All our friends are here. I'm sorry it took Selena. My hunters will help you stand guard, Talia said. Annabeth and Percy, you should go to Olympus. I have a feeling they'll need you up there to set up the final defense. The doorman had disappeared from the lobby. His book was face down on the desk and his chair was empty. The rest of the lobby, however, was jam-packed with wounded campers, hunters, and satyrs. Connor and Travis Stoll may have met us by the elevators. Is it true? Connor asked. About Selena? I nodded. She died a hero. Travis shifted uncomfortably. Um, I also heard- That's it, I insisted. End of story. Right. Travis mumbled. Listen, if we fight, we figure the Titans army will have trouble getting up the elevator. They'll have to go up a few at a time, and the Giants won't be able to fit at all. That's our biggest advantage, I said. Any way to disable the elevator? It's magic, Travis said. Unless, uh, usually you need a keycard, but the doorman vanished. That means the defenses are crumbling. Anyone can walk into the elevator now and head straight up. Then we have to keep them away from the doors, I said. We'll bottle them up in the lobby. We'll need reinforcements, Travis said. They'll just keep coming. Eventually, they'll overwhelm us. There are no reinforcements, Connor complained. I looked outside and Mrs. O'Leary, who was breathing against the glass doors and smearing them with hellhound drool. Maybe that's not true, I said. I went outside and put a hand on Mrs. O'Leary's muzzle. Chiron, Chiron had bandaged her paw, but she was still limping. Her fur was matted, matted with mud, leaves, pizza slices and dried monster blood. Hey girl, I tried to sound upbeat. I know you're tired, but I've got one more big favor to ask you. I leaned next to her and whispered in her ear. After Mrs. O'Leary's shadow traveled away, I rejoined Annabeth in the lobby. 
On the way to the elevator, we spotted Grover kneeling over a fat wounded satyr. Lanius, I said. The old satyr looked terrible. His uh, lips were blue, there was, a there was a broken spear in his belly, and his furry goat legs were twisted at a painful angle. He tried to focus on us, but I don't think he saw us. Grover, he murmured. I'm here, Lenius. Grover was blinking back tears, despite all the horrible things Lenius had said about him. Did, did we win? Um, yes, he lied. Thanks to you, Lenius. We drove the enemy away. Told you, the old satyr mumbled. True leader. True. He closed his eyes for the last time. Grover gulped. He put his hand on Lenius's forehead and spoke an ancient blessing. The old satyr's body melted until that all that was left was a tiny sapling in a pile of fresh soil. A laurel, Grover said in awe. Oh, that lucky goat. He gathered up the sapling in his hands. Uh, I should plant him in Olympus in the gardens. We're going that way, I said. Come on. Easy listening music played as the elevator rose. I thought about the first time I'd visited Mount Olympus, back when I was 12. Annabeth and Grover hadn't been with me then. I was glad they were with me now. I had a feeling it might be our last adventure together. Percy, Annabeth said quietly, you were right about Luke. It was the first time she'd spoken since Selina Beauregard's death. She kept her eyes fixed on the elevator numbers as they blinked into the magical numbers. 400, 450, 500. Grover and I exchanged glances. Annabeth, I said. I'm sorry. You tried to tell me. Her voice was shaky. Luke is no good. I didn't believe you until... Until I heard how he'd used Selena. Now I know. I hope you're happy. That doesn't make me happy. She put her head against the elevator wall and wouldn't look at me. Grover cradled his laurel sapling in his hands. Well, sure good to be together again. Arguing? Almost dying? Object terror? Oh look, it's our floor! The doors dinged and we stepped onto the aerial walkway. Depressing is not a word that usually describes Mount Olympus, but it looked that way now. No fires lit the braziers. The windows were dark. The streets were des des deserted. deserted, And the doors were barred. The only movement was in the parks, which had been set up as field hospitals. Will Solis and the other Apollo campers scrambled around, caring for the wounded. Naiads and dryads tried to help, using nature major magic songs to heal burns and poison. As Grover planted the laurel sapling, Annabeth and I went around trying to cheer up the wounded. I passed the satyr with a broken leg, a demigod who was bandaged from head to toe, and a body covered in the golden burial shroud of Apollo's cabin. I didn't, I didn't know who was underneath. I didn't want to find out. My heart felt like lead, but we tried to say a fine positive things to say. You'll be up in uh, fighting times in no time, I told one camper. You look great, Amber told one camper. Lenny has turned into a shrub, Grover told a groaning satyr. I found Dionysus' son, Pollux, propped up against a tree. He had a broken arm, but otherwise he was okay. I can still fight with the other hand, he said, gritting his teeth. No, I said, you've done enough. I want you to stay here and help with the wounded. But promise me to stay safe, I said. Okay, personal favor. He frowned uncertainly. 
It wasn't like we weren't good. We were good friends or anything. But I wasn't going to tell him. It was a request from his dad. That would just embarrass him. Finally, he promised. And when he sat back down, I could tell he was kind of relieved. Annabeth Grover and I kept walking toward the place. That's where Kronos would head. As soon as he made it up the elevator, and I had no doubt he would, one way or another, he would destroy the throne room, the center of the god's power. The bronze doors creaked open. Our footsteps echoed on the marble floor. The constellations twinkled coldly on the ceiling of the great hall. The hearth was down to a dull red glow. Hestia, in the form of a little girl in brown robes, hunched at its edge, shivering. The Ophiotaur swam sadly in its fear of water. He let out a half-hearted moo when he saw me. In the firelight, the thrones cast evil-looking shadows, like grasping hands. Standing at the foot of Zeus's throne, looking up at the stars, was Rachel Elizabeth Dare. She was holding a Greek ceramic vase. Rachel? I said. Um... What are you doing with that? She focused on me as if she were coming out of a dream. I found it. It's Pandora's jar, isn't it? Her eyes were bigger than usual, and I had a bad flashback of moldy sandwiches and burned cookies. Please put down the jar, I said. I can see hope inside it. Rachel ran her fingers over the ceramic designs. So fragile. Rachel. My voice seemed to bring her back to reality, and I took it. The clay felt as cold as ice. Grover, Annabeth mumbled. Let's scout around the palace. Maybe we can find some extra Greek fire or Hephaestus traps. But Annabeth bellowed, elbowed him. Right, he yelped. I love traps. She dragged him out of the throne room. Over by the fire, Hestia, over by the fire, Hestia was huddled in her robes, rocking back and forth. Come on, I told Rachel. I want you to meet someone. We sat next to the goddess. Lady Hestia, I said. Hello, Percy Jackson. The goddess murmured, getting colder, harder to keep the fire going. I know, I said. The times are near. Hestia focused on Rachel. Hello, my dear. You've come to our hearth at last. Rachel blinked. You've been expecting me? Hestia held out her hands, and the coals glowed. I saw images in the fire. My mother, Paul, and I eating Thanksgiving dinner at the kitchen table. My friends and me around the campfire at Camp Half-Blood, singing songs and roasting marshmallows. Rachel and me driving along the beach in Paul's Prius. I don't know if Rachel saw the same images, images, but the tension went out of her shoulders. The warmth of the fire seemed to spread across her. To came, claim your place at the hearth, Hestia told her, you must let go of your distractions. It is the only way you will survive. Rachel nodded. Ah, I understand. Wait, I said. What is she talking about? Rachel took a shaky breath. Percy. When I came here, I thought I was coming for you, but I wasn't. You and me. She shook her head. Wait, now I'm a distraction? Is this because I'm not the hero whatever? I'm not sure I can put it into words, she said. I was drawn to you because... Because you opened the door to all of this. She gestured at the throne room. I needed to understand my true sight, but you and me, that wasn't part of it. Our fates aren't intertwined. I think you've always known that, deep down. 
I stared at her. Maybe I wasn't the brightest guy in the world when it came to girls, but I was pretty sure Rachel had just dumped me. Which was lame considering we'd never even been together. So, what? I said. Thanks for bringing me to Olympus, see ya? Is that what you're saying? Rachel stared at the fire. Percy Jackson, Hestia said. Rachel has told you all she can. Her moment is coming, but your decision approaches even more rapidly. Are you prepared? I wanted to complain that no. I wasn't even close to prepared. I looked at Pandora's jar, and for the first time, I had an urge to open it. Open it. Hope seemed pretty useless to me right now. So many of my friends were dead. Rachel was cutting me off. Annabeth was angry with me. My parents were asleep down in the street somewhere while a monster army surrounded the building. Olympus was on the verge of falling, and I had seen so many cruel things the gods had done. Zeus destroying Maria D'Angelo. Hades cursing the last oracle. Hermes turning his back on Luke even when he knew his son would turn evil. Surrender. Prometheus' voice whispered in my ear. Otherwise, your home will be destroyed. Your precious camp will burn. Then I looked at Hestia. Her red eyes glowed warmly. I remembered the images I'd seen in her hearth. Friends and family. Everyone I cared about. I remembered something Chris Rodriguez had said. There's no point in defending camp if you guys die. All our friends are here. And Nico standing up to his father, Hades. If Olympus falls, he said, your own palace's safety doesn't matter. I heard footsteps. Annabeth and Grover came back into the throne room and stopped when they saw us. Probably had a pretty strange look on my face. Percy? Annabeth didn't sound angry anymore. Just concerned. Should we, um, leave again? Suddenly I felt like someone had injected me with steel. I understood what to do. I looked at Rachel. You're not gonna do anything stupid, are you? I mean, you talked to Chiron, right? She managed a faint smile. You're worried about me doing something stupid. But I mean, will you be okay? I don't know, she admitted. That kind of depends on whether you save the world, hero. I picked up Pandora's jar. The spirit of hope fluttered inside, trying to warm the cold container. Hestia, I said. I give this to you as an offering. The goddess tilted her head. I'm the least of the gods. Why would you trust me with this? You're the last Olympian, I said, and the most important. And why is that, Percy Jackson? Because hope survives best at the hearth, I said. Guard it for me, and I won't be tempted to give up again. The goddess smiled. She took the jar in her hands and it began to glow. The hearth's fire burned a little brighter. brighter. Well done, Percy Jackson, she said. May the gods bless you. We're about to find out. I looked at Annabeth and Grover. Come on, guys. I marched toward my father's throne. The seat of Poseidon stood just to the right of Zeus's, but it wasn't nearly as grand. The molded black leather seat was attached to a swivel pedestal with a couple of iron rings on the side for fastening a fishing pole or a trident. Basically, it looked like a chair on a deep sea boat that you would sit in if you wanted to hunt shark or marlin or sea monsters. Gods in their natural state are about 20 feet tall, so I could just reach the edge of my seat if I stretched my arms. Help me up, I told Annabeth and Grover. Are you crazy? Annabeth asked. Probably, I admitted. Percy, Grover said, the gods really don't appreciate people sitting in their thrones. I mean, like, turn you into a pile of ashes don't appreciate it. I need to get his attention, I said. It's the only way. They exchanged uneasy looks. 
Well, Annabeth said, this'll get his attention. They linked their arms to make a step, then boosted me onto the throne. I felt like a baby with my feet so high off the ground. I looked around at the other gloomy, empty thrones, and I could imagine what it would be like sitting on the Olympian Council. So much power, but so much arguing. Always 11 other gods trying to get their way. It would be easy to get paranoid, to look out only for my own interest, especially if I were Poseidon. Sitting in his throne, I felt like I had the entire sea at my command. Vast cubic miles of ocean churning with power and mystery. Why should Poseidon listen to anyone? Why shouldn't he be the greatest of the twelve? Then I shook my head. Concentrate. The throne rumbled. A wave of gale-force anger slammed into my mind. Who dares? The voice stopped abruptly. The anger retreated, which was a good thing, because just those two words had almost blasted my mind to shreds. Percy? My father's voice was still angry, but more controlled. What, exactly, are you doing on my throne? I'm sorry, father, I said. I needed to get your attention. This was a very dangerous thing to do. Even for you, if I hadn't looked before I blasted, you would now be a puddle of seawater. I'm sorry, I said again. Listen, things are rough up here. I told him what was happening. Then I told him my plan. His voice was silent for a long time. Percy... What you ask is impossible. My palace. Dad, Kronos set an army against you on purpose. He wants you to divide he wants to divide you from the other gods because he knows you could trip the scales. Be that as it may, he attacks my home. I'm at your home, I said. Olympus. The floor shook. A wave of anger washed over my mind. I thought I'd gone too far, but then the trembling eased. In the background of my mental link, I heard underwater explosion and sound of cries. Cyclops bellowing, Merman shouting. Is Tyson okay? I asked. The question seemed to take my dad by surprise. He's fine. Doing much better than I expected. The peanut butter is a strange battle cry. You let him fight? Stop changing the subject. You realize what you are asking me to do? My palace will be destroyed. And Olympus might be saved. Do you have any idea how long I've worked on remodeling this palace? The game room alone took 600 years. Dad! Very well. It shall be as you say. But my son, pray this works. I'm praying. I'm talking to you, right? Oh, yes. Good point. Amphitrite, incoming. The sound of a large explosion shattered our connection. I slipped down from the throne. Grover studied me nervously. Are you okay? You turned pale and you started smoking. I did not. I looked at my alarms. Steam was curling off my shirt sleeves. The hair on my arm was singed. If you'd sat there any longer, Abbott said, you would have spontaneously combusted. I hope the conversation was worth it. Mer? said the Ophiotaurus in a spear of water. We'll, found out, we'll find out soon, I said. Just then the doors of the throne room swung open. Talia marched in. Her bow was snapped in half and her quiver was empty. You've got to get down there, she told us. The enemy is advancing and Kronos is leading them. And that is the end of chapter 17. Ooh, I do hope that per- whatever Percy's plan was, I hope it works and that Poseidon 
hopefully helps and is able to at least destroy majority of the monsters that Kronos brought. And maybe, who knows, it might be Kronos, Percy and the Campers against Kronos himself. But we will see when we read chapter 18, My Parents Go Commando, right after this break. And again, I do apologize for the pronunciations. I will try to improve on them. And so right after this break, we'll read chapter 18. And we are back from the ads, and now we'll read chapter 18, My Parents Go Commando. By the time we got to the street, it was too late. Campers and hunters lay wounded on the ground. Clarice must have lost a fight with the Hyperborean giant because she and her chariot were frozen in a block of ice. The centaurs were nowhere to be seen. Either they panicked and ran, or they'd been disintegrated. The Tyne army ringed the building, standing maybe 20 feet from the doors. Kronos' vanguard was in the lead, Ethan Nakamura, the Draconite Queen in her green armor, and two Hyperboreans. I didn't see Prometheus. The slimy weasel was probably hiding back at their headquarters. But Kronos himself stood right in front of him with his scythe in hand. The only thing standing in his way was... Chiron, Ambit said, her voice trembling. If Chiron heard us, he didn't answer. He had an arrow notched, aimed straight at Kronos' face. As soon as Kronos saw me, his gold eyes flared. Every muscle in my body froze. Then the Titan Lord turned his attention back to Chiron. Step aside, little son. Hearing Luke call Chiron his son was weird enough, but Kronos put contempt in his son, like son was the worst word he could think of. I'm, I'm afraid not. Chiron's tone was steely calm, the way he gets when he's really angry. I tried to move, but my feet felt like concrete. Annabeth, Grover, and Talia were straining too, like they were just as stuck. Chiron! Annabeth said, Look out! The Dracona Queen became impatient and charged. Chiron's arrow flew straight between her eyes and she vaporized on the spot, her empty armor clattering to the asphalt. Chiron reached for another arrow, but his quiver was empty. He dropped the bow and drew his sword. I knew he hated fighting with the sword, it was never his favorite weapon. Kronos chuckled. He advanced a step, and Chiron's horse half scattered nervously. His tail flicked back and forth. You're a teacher, Kronos sneered. Not a hero. Luke was a hero, Chiron said. He was a good one until you corrupted him. Fool! Kronos' voice shook the city. You filled his head with empty promises. You said the gods cared about me. Me, Chiron noticed. You said me. Kronos looked confused, and in that moment, Chiron struck. It was a good man maneuver, a feint followed by a strike to fall into the face. I couldn't have done better myself, but Kronos was quick. He had all of Luke's fighting skill, which was a lot. He knocked aside Chiron's blade and yelled, Back! A blinding white light exploded between the Titan and the Centaur. Chiron flew into the side of the building with such force the wall crumbled and collapsed on top of him. No! Ebbet wailed. The freezing spell broke. We ran toward our teacher, but there was no sign of him. Talia and I pulled helplessly at the bricks while a ripper of ugly laughter ran through the Titan army. You! Ebbet turned on Luke. To think that I... That I thought... She drew her knife. Ebbet, don't. I tried to take her arm, but she shook me off. She attacked Kronos and his smug smile faded. Perhaps some part of Luke remembered that he used to like this girl. Used to take care of her when she was little. She plunged her knife between the straps of his armor, right at his collarbone. The blade should have sunk into his chest, instead it bounced off. 
Annabeth doubled over, clutching her arm to his stomach. The jolt must have been been enough to dislocate her bad shoulder. I yanked her back as Kerner swung his scythe, slicing the air where she had been standing. She fought me and screamed, I hate you! I wasn't sure who she was talking to, me or Luke or Kronos. Tears streaked the dust on her face. I have to fight him, I told her. It's my fight too, Percy. Kronos laughed. So much spirit. I can see why Luke wanted to spare you. Unfortunately, that won't be possible. He raised his scythe. I got ready to defend, but before Kronos could strike, a dog's howl pierced the air somewhere behind the Titan's army. Arrgh! It was too much to hope, but I called. Mrs. O'Leary? The enemy forces steered uneasily. Then the strangest thing happened. They began to part, clearing a path through the street like something behind them was forcing them to. Soon, there was a free aisle down the center of 5th Avenue. Standing at the end of the block was my giant dog and a small figure in black armor. Nico? I called. Ruff! Mrs. O'Leary bounded toward me, ignoring the growling monsters on either side. Nico strode forward. The enemy army fell back before him like he radiated death, which of course he did. Through the face guard of his skull-shaped helmet, he smiled. Got your message. Is it too late to join the party? Son of Hades. Kronos spit on the ground. Do you love death so much you wish to experience it? Your death, Nico said, would be great for me. I'm immortal, you fool. I have escaped Tartarus. You have no business here and no chance to live. Nikos drew his sword. Three feet of wicked, sharp, Stygian iron. Black as a nightmare. I don't agree. The ground rumbled. Cracks appeared in the road. The sidewalks, the sides of the buildings. Skeletal hands grasped the air as the dead clawed their way into the world of the living. There were thousands of them. And as they emerged, the Titan's monsters got jumpy and started to back up. Hold your ground, Kronos demanded. The dead are no match for us. The sky turned dark and cold. Shadows thickened. A harsh war horn sounded and as the dead soldiers formed up ranks with their guns and swords and spears. An enormous, enormous chariot roared down 5th Avenue. It came, it came to a stop next to Nico. The horses were living shadows fashioned from darkness. The chariot was inlaid with obsidian and gold, decorated with scenes of painful death. Holding the reins was Hades himself, Lord of the Dead, with Demeter and Persephone riding behind him. Hades wore black armor and a cloak the color of fresh blood. On top of his pale head was the Helm of Darkness, a crown that radiated pure terror. It changed shape as I watched, from a dragon's head to a circle of black flames to a wreath of human bones. But that wasn't the scary part. The helm reached into my mind and ignited my worst nightmares, my most secret fears. I wanted to crawl, crawl into a hole and hide, and I could tell the enemy army felt the same way. Only Kronos' powers and authority kept his ranks from fleeing. Hades smiled coldly. Hello, father. You're looking young. Hades, Kronos growled. Hope you and the ladies have come to pledge your allegiance. I'm afraid not, Hades sighed. My son here convinced me that perhaps I should prioritize my list of enemies. He glanced at me with distaste. As much as I dislike certain upstart, gem upstart demigods, you're not due for Olympus to fall. I would miss bickering with my siblings, and if there's one thing we agree on, it is that you were a terrible father. True, muttered Demeter. No appreciation of agriculture. Mother, 
Persephone complained. Hades drew his sword, a double-edged Stygian blade etched with silver. Now fight me, for today the house of Hades will be called the Savior's Olympus. I don't have time for this, Kronos snarled. He struck the ground with a scythe, a crack spread in both directions, circling the Empire State Building. A wall of force shimmered along the fissure line, separating Kronos' van- vanguard, my friends, and me from the bulk of the two armies. What's he doing? I muttered. Sealing us in, Talia said. He's collapsing the magic barriers around Manhattan, cutting off just the building and us. Sure enough, outside the barrier, car engines revved to life. Pedestrians woke up and stared uncomprehendingly at the monsters and zombies all around them. No telling what they saw through the mist, but I'm sure it was plenty scary. Car doors opened at the end of the block. Paul Blofus and my mom got out of their Prius. No, I said. Don't. My mother could see through the mist. I could tell from her expression that she understood how serious things were. I hoped she would have the sense to run, but she locked eyes with me, said something to Paul, and they ran straight toward us. I couldn't call out. The last thing I wanted to do was bring her to Kronos' attention. Fortunately, Hades caused a distraction. He charged at the wall of force, but his chariot crashed against it and overturned. He got to his feet, cursing, and blasted the wall with black energy. The barrier held. Attack! He roared. The armies of the dead clashed with the Titans' monsters. Fifth Avenue exploded into absolute chaos. Mortals screamed and ran for cover. Demeter waved her hand and an entire column of giants turned into a wheat field. Persephone changed the Draconae's spears into sunflowers. Nico slashed and hacked his way through the enemy, trying to protect the pedestrians as best he could. My, pa- my parents ran toward me, dodging monsters and zombies, but there's nothing I could do to help them. Nakamura, Kronos said. Attend me. Giants, deal with them. He pointed at my friends and me, then he ducked into the lobby. For a second, I was stunned. I'd been expecting a fight, but Kronos completely ignored me like I wasn't worth the trouble. That made me mad. The first Hyperborean giant smashed at me with his club. I rolled between his legs and stabbed Riptide into his backside. He shattered into a pile of ice shards. The second giant breathed for a frost at Annabeth, who was barely able to stand. But Grover pulled her out of the way while Talia went to work. She sprinted up the giant's back like a gazelle, sliced her hunting knives across his monstrous blue neck, and created the world's largest headless ice sculpture. I glanced outside the magic, magic barrier. Nico was fighting his way toward my mom and Paul, but they were, they were waiting for help. Paul grabbed a sword from a fallen hero and did a pretty fine job creeping and keeping a draconae busy. He stabbed her in the gun and she disintegrated. Paul? I said in amazement. He turned toward me and grinned. I hope that was a monster I just killed. That was a Shakespearean actor in college. Picked up a little swordplay. I liked him even better for that. But then, a Lashragonian giant charged toward my mom. She was rummaging around in an abandoned police car, maybe looking for the emergency radio. And her back was turned. Mom! I yelled. She rolled when the monster was almost on top of her. I thought the thing in her hands was an umbrella until she cracked, cranked the pump and the shotgun, shotgun bl- blast blew through the giant of 20 feet backward, right into Nico's sword. Nice one, Paul said. When did you learn how to fire, to fire a shotgun? I demanded. My mom blew the hair out of her face. About two seconds ago, Percy. We'll be fine. Go! Yes, Nico agreed. We'll handle the army. You have to get Kronos. 
Come on, seaweed brain, Ambit said. I nodded. Then I looked at the rubble pile on the side of the building. My heart twisted. I forgot about Sh Chiron. How could I do that? Mrs. O'Leary, I said. Please, Chiron's under there. If anybody can dig him out, you can. Find him, help him. I'm not sure how much she understood, but she bounded to the pile and started to dig. Annabeth, Talia, and Grover and I raced for the elevators. And that is the end of chapter 18. That was a pretty short chapter, but I am so glad that Hades actually came to help and brought an extra, uh, brought an extra entire army, like the Army of the Dead. And so hopefully we may still have a chance at beating Kronos at this war. And hopefully next week we will read chapters 19 and 20. And we will find out whether what's the status on this war. And whether Percy will ever get to fight Kronos along with the others. But until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.